pray with me. Father, we, um, we thank you for your greatness. And Father, when we sing about it like that and we magnify your greatness, God, it reminds me anyway just how weak I am, how you are great, I am not, and how much I need you. Father, I thank you for the spirit that is in this house right now. God, we're not here to play church. We're here to have an encounter with you, the living God. And so, Father, we ask right now that you move in our midst. Father, your servants have gathered. Speak, for we are listening. We give you all praise, all glory, and all honor. And God, we pray that when we leave this place today, God, that we would be different. So we invite you in. Have your way with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all of those that love God said together, amen and amen. Come on and praise him. Yeah. You may be seated. Again, I just want to welcome everybody. We're so glad that you are here. Um, those of you in person, those of you who are online. And uh, last week, we started a series called Galatians, Rediscovering the Good News, Rediscovering the Gospel. And um, I shared last week how there are different preaching styles, so if you, if you miss it, I'll just kind of walk you through. This is an expositional preaching sermon series. Uh, this is what I wrote my first book on. It was on the different styles of preaching, narrative, topical, and expositional. And most churches do one style. And they stick with that. And you happen to go to a church where we do different styles. We change it up throughout the year. I will do a topical series. I'll do a narrative series. But I'm always real careful to do at least two to three expositional series because you as a church, you just eat those up. Um, you love just plowing through scripture. You kind of know where we're going. And during the month of November, we are in the book of Galatians. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. And uh, let's go get this today. If you missed last week, let me just highly, highly, highly encourage you to go back and uh, check that out because it really was uh, laying the groundwork for where we are going today. You can check that out at our website or at our YouTube channel. But last week, I started with a story, and I'm not going to retell the story except to, to summarize it in that it was the first time I had ever seen a person die. I don't know if you've ever seen a person die, but it's, it's a pretty frightening, eerie, I would say spiritual, you might not expect that, but listen, as a pastor, I believe two of the times that I most encounter God is when I see babies born and people pass. It's very spiritual, but this was a frightening situation I encountered. I was at an intersection. A guy had a heart attack riding down the road. The heart attack caused him to cross over lanes. I saw a head-on collision. It was pretty bad. I ran over there, and I watched him die, and I was yelling to everybody around me, call 911, and I don't know if you've ever called 911 before, but what we see in the book of Galatians is Paul is calling 911. It is an urgent situation. It is a matter of life and death. 
And Paul comes into the church at Galatia with both barrels ablazing. He is coming to offer some major course correction. It's only been 15 to 16 years prior that Jesus Christ had walked on planet Earth. 15, 16 years prior, Jesus Christ was dead, buried, rose from the dead, and the church was launched. And in 15 to 16 years, the church in Galatia had already started to pervert the gospel. Again, let me just encourage you, go back and experience last week if you missed it. You got these Judaizers, they're coming into the church at Galatia. They are perverting the gospel. They are adding stuff to the gospel, and they're taking stuff away from the gospel. For example, yes, they were Jewish Christians. They believed Jesus had, had lived, died, rose from the dead. But oh yeah, by the way, that's the gospel, but you can't eat bacon. Mm. Not good, right? For those of you who love bacon, right? And those of us who do love bacon, we need to not eat too much of it, right? But it's, 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 it's close to godliness, I must say so. Okay, you got the gospel, Jesus, life, death, burial, and resurrection, but you got to get circumcised. To which most of you in the room, if that happened when you were a child, you're like, no problem. If you're an adult and you're 40 years old and Paul says it's time to get circumcised, by the way, they didn't have any real painkillers back in the day, let the church say, ouch. <laughs> right, right? So these Judaizers came in, they started to pervert and pollute the gospel. And Paul comes in and he has had enough of it. He is not going to put up with it. And he says, I am astonished. Everybody say astonished. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who calls you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Again, by way of review, I mean, really, really quick. I laid out things that happened when we get the gospel right last week. Here are two things that, that happen when the church gets the gospel right. Number one, people of all ages experience forgiveness of sins and are saved for all eternity. Let the church say amen. Amen. amen? People are saved. Sins are forgiven. Their, their lives are secure and saved for all of eternity. And here's the second one. This is key. God is glorified. Everybody say, God is glorified. Now, that's what happens when we get the gospel right. They were getting the gospel wrong. Churches can sway. They can drift. If we get the gospel wrong, people are misled and fooled into thinking they are actually saved and bound for heaven when they are actually lost and bound for hell. I acknowledged last week that whenever I say stuff like that, I want to just say and acknowledge there is an awkwardness in the air because we live in the 21st century and most folks don't like to talk about hell anymore. They don't even like the concept. And I don't even like talking about it. But I think one of the things you love about this church is that we don't just talk about the things that we want to talk about. We talk about what the Bible talks about. And so the Bible clearly talks about heaven and hell as real places and real people go there. And so when we get it wrong, we mislead people. And so last week, and this will be something that we come back to every single week, 
is this definition of the gospel. I want us to read it out loud. It's the best I can do. It is a working definition. And so here it is. Go. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. He did what? Died for my sins, rose from the dead, so that by grace, anyone who puts in him will be made right with God and enjoy everlasting life on earth and in heaven forever. Let the church say, praise the Lord. That's the gospel. Leave that up there for just a moment. So I don't know if you're a note taker, you want to jot that down or take a picture of that with your phone, put that to memory, because in the same way that the church at Galatia got off track, we can get off track too. The gospel is the what? Good news. It is the good news. It's the greatest news the world has ever known, that Christ came from heaven to earth. What did he do? He died for my sins, rose from the dead so that by, this is key, by grace through faith. Everybody say, by grace. Everybody say, through faith. Again, by grace, through faith, in him will be made right with God. This is key. And enjoy everlasting life on earth and in heaven forever and ever. Amen. I, um, I grew up in the great state of South Carolina. Do I have any South Carolina people in the house? Come on, where are my people? South Carolina people? Got one right here. Yeah, are you kidding me, right? This can't be the only person. Oh, I got another back here. Back, my balcony people. Any South Carolina people up there? Oh, right here, my sister. Yeah. I'm starting to feel a little better. I was starting to worry. I, um, I was raised in a place called Sumter, South Carolina. You've seen it if you've been on I-95. It's kind of equal distance between Columbia and Florence. But where I spent my summers and where my family is originally from is Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> and the reason they're saying that is if you've never been to Charleston, can I just encourage you, take a vacation to Charleston. Do a carriage ride. It's beautiful. Ride through the historic cobble, cobble streets and go to the beach and go down by the battery. Charleston is mm, so... I'm going to go to Charleston after church today. I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. I love Charleston. It's one of my favorite places on the planet. Well, when I was a kid, I grew up going to Charleston all the time, and uh, we would go to a beach called Folly Beach. Ooh. And um, I don't know if you, all of you have been to the beach, right? Like, if you haven't been to the beach, you need to go to the beach. Um, so I remember when I was a little kid, the first couple times I went to the beach, or at least that I can remember, I remember going out in the beach with my brothers. I was the youngest of three, and we would play and swim and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, I remember it so vividly, the first time this happened to me, I, I looked up from playing. We'd been playing for probably, I don't know, 15, 30 minutes. And I looked up from playing in the beach, and I looked for mom and dad, and I couldn't find them. And I didn't know what to do, so I walked out of the surf and walked back on the sand, and I still couldn't find them. And I'll never forget the moment I looked up and I scanned the beach, and way down there, there they were. What had happened? I had drifted. I had drifted during the playtime, and the undercurrent had moved me down the peach. I don't know if you've experienced it. I just said peach instead of beach. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced it. Show your hands if, you, if you've done this. Like later on, it would happen, and I still remember my mom, my mom yelling, Beachy, come back. And I remember my old man sitting on the beach going, he'll be all right. 
Looking back on us, that's how we guys are. Look, I, I think dad was saying, Yvonne, Javon. We, we got three. It's okay if we lose one. Um, I don't know, but <laughs> um, we all drift. What Paul is addressing here is that the church has drifted. It has drifted away from the purity and the beauty of the gospel. And Paul comes in and he is slinging it and bringing it. He tells them, you are foolish. I am astonished. He tells them last week, you are to be cursed twice. Now, I'm not going to talk about it today. I told the team earlier that I might hit this today, but I might wait till next week. And I've decided I'm going to hit it next week. You don't want to miss next week because next week I'm going to come and I'm going to deal with the fact that some of you are sitting here listening to Paul going, what is his problem and why is he being so mean? Because we live in this day and age where everybody's got to be nice. And what I'm going to talk to you about next week is the difference between niceness and kindness. Paul's not being me. Paul is being kind. He's being kind because he cares for the eternal destiny of people's souls. He cares that there is a heaven and a hell. He cares for the church. He knows that we can drift away from the gospel in the South. Oh, my Lord, in the South, niceness. People will be nice to your face. And then step, I will talk about it. They can, be, they can be nice to your face and then stab you in the back and twist it and watch you bleed out. Niceness, niceness, I, I don't have any patience for niceness. We should be kind though. And sometimes kindness means that we speak a word of truth. Sometimes kindness means that we offer biblical correction. I'm going to really go there next week, but we live in a day and age where nobody wants to be corrected anymore. Nobody wants to be corrected anymore. Oh, you're going to hurt my feelings, and I'm going to go home in the fetal position and call on mommy or wifey or hubby. Listen, we, there are times when we all, me included, need to be corrected, and we need to be open to correction. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to go there next week. Galatians 3, chapters, I mean, verses 1 through 14. 3, 1 through 14. You foolish Galatians. Remember? Is he being nice? No. Is he being kind? Yeah. You'll understand that more next week. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the, what's those next words? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Now, if you got your Bibles open, this is the beauty of an expositional sermon. Bring your Bibles. There's a pen in front of you, and yes, you can steal it in the name of Jesus. Take it with you. <laughs> Circle the word Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? If you didn't get it the first time, he's saying, you're foolish. You missed it. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, so again I ask, does God give his Spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law? Or... By your believing what you heard. Get it? Works of the law or by belief or faith in what you have heard. 
Now here, here Paul does something masterful. He, he starts to exegete an Old Testament passage. He goes all the way back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis, and he starts to grab this teaching that happened to Abraham, and he talks about that. This is brilliant. So those who rely on faith are blessed. He goes, and so also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by works. No. By what? But justify the Gentiles by faith and announced that the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a what? Under a curse. I love how you're with me today. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Say that with me. The righteous will live by faith. Verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the law, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or some translations would say hung on a tree. That's a clear reference to the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing, here he goes, he works Abraham in again, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that, read this last part with me, so that what? By faith, we might receive the promise of the, by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Go ahead and flip back. Let's just go ahead and go there. Go ahead and flip back to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 15, just two verses, four and six. Well, I guess three verses, four, five, and six. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. When's the last time you've ever done that? Go out to a beautiful night with a clear sky and look at the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Y'all remember Abraham, father Abraham had many, had many sons, had, and I am, and so are you. Come on. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, right foot, father Abraham. Y'all remember that one? Right? Come on. So you're like, I've never heard that. Well, you didn't go to VBS as a child. You missed out, dude. 
It's kind of like we were singing that song earlier, How Great They Are, the hymn. I was by my, my, my boys over here, and I said, Josh, just, just enjoy a great hymn. I said, you didn't grow up with these like I did. He goes, well, thank the Lord. <laughs> Come on, man. Paul is saying all the way back from Genesis that Abraham, and this is scripture. This is just not Paul making it up on the spot. Abraham was credited righteousness because he believed by faith. You know what it is to get credit. When you get credit, it's just something to your account. It's a credit that you can tap into. You didn't do anything to earn it. And Abraham gets credit and it's accounted to him as righteousness. And this is twice so far that we've talked about the way in which the spirit plays a pivotal role in our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. You don't have anything to do with it. You don't add anything to it. You don't take anything from it. You are saved by grace through faith. And so when we talk about drifting, Paul is letting us know that we can drift between two different things. If you've been to the beach, again, you know what it's like to drift, but you can drift between the law or legalism, and this is where a lot of people are today. They... In, they they, they put upon you that you need to do a certain thing. You need to act a certain way. You need to speak a certain way. You can't do this. You can't do that. That is legalism. Or, and this is what Paul is addressing, but this is what's popular in our day and age. We drift toward liberalism. And liberalism is, and you know what this is. We live in a day and age where, right, you do you, right? If it feels good, what? Do it. So there's this, there's this juxtaposition of legalism and liberalism. Paul is addressing the legalism, but we can surely relate to liberalism. And he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit that comes in and helps us figure all of this out. And he talks about two different things, life according to the Spirit and life according to the law. And so what I want to do today in my remaining time is I want to teach on the Holy Spirit. Now, what blows my mind is, after the first celebration, I had no less than six folks come up to me and say, I've been going to church my whole life, and I've never heard a message on the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. Some of you might feel the same way. The Holy Spirit, I don't know why, tends to weird some of you out. And, and I could weird even more of you out if I start referring to the Holy Spirit as... Oh, these are my people, man. And they just said, Holy Ghost. I would say it different. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And for some of you, it just kind of weirds you out. You've never really understood it. It's kind of confusing to you. It feels a little esoteric. Don't know how to make sense of it all. And I hope that today, in our remaining time, as I just unpack some functions of the third person of the Trinity... Remember, we are, we are a Trinitarian faith, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We all get the Father. We understand that. We definitely get the Son. But this third person of the Trinity is a little more challenging to understand, and Paul goes right at it. So I want to talk to you today about the functions of the Holy Spirit. I could give more, but I'm going to give four key functions of the Holy Spirit. If you're ready, say, bring it. Bring it. Number one, the Holy Spirit draws us to God for salvation. 
Read it with me. The Holy Spirit draws us to God for salvation. This is really, really important. Because if you're not careful, check it out. You will start to take credit for your own salvation. Oh, look what I did. Look, look, look what I did. I, I accepted the Lord Jesus. Or, or I shared this last week, remember? I found the Lord. And I told you how last week, when I, about 10 years ago, when I was sharing my testimony, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I felt immediately I, I had to change that language. So I try my best to never say anymore, I found the Lord. I didn't find the Lord. The Lord found me. The Lord found me. And I don't know where you were or when you got saved, but you do right now. So think about it. The moment you just clicked, the moment you knew you stand not on your own righteousness, but you stand on the righteousness of Christ, the moment you knew your sins were forgiven, the moment you knew you would spend the rest of your life trying to glorify God, the moment you knew that you would live forever with God in a place called heaven. I don't know where that was for you or when that was for you, but here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit did it in your life. My man. My man. Everybody say, what's up, Josh? I like that. That just makes me want to lay down up here and go night-night. It's really important <clears throat> that you know if you were saved as a young kid and God used your parents and all of that or school or vacation Bible school or maybe you were saved in college through a parachurch ministry or maybe you were saved at this church. This first function is really, really key for you to remember that you can take no credit for it. It was all God always has been and always will be. He has saved you. Praise his name. So I don't start talking about salvation from the first person. I, I, no, no, it's always the third person. He, he, let me tell you what he did in my life. Number two, if you're a note taker, jot these down, take a picture of them, or there'll be all four of them up on the end, so you can take one picture if you want. The Holy Spirit guides us in life. Again, I know it weirds you out a little bit, and you're like, but Pastor, like, I don't know. Is that the Holy Spirit guiding me, or is that the pizza I ate last night? I know. But listen, after you walk with God a while, and after you know his voice, after you spend time as a follower of Christ and you learn the scriptures, you start to understand that the Holy Spirit will never contradict what the Word teaches. That's key. The Holy Spirit will never contradict what the Word says, but once you start to know Christ, you can actually reach a point in life where you follow God on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm with you, sister. Like, like, this is gonna freak some of you out, but it is what it is. If you hung out with me for a day you, and, and I walked you through my thought processes, this would do, 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 do. Like, I drive to work often based upon how I fight the Holy Spirit's leading me. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, there are several ways to come to church. So when I leave in the morning to come to church, I will sometimes take this route but if I'm walking with the Holy Spirit, I will sometimes, and you might think you're crazy. Okay, you can believe that. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be your crazy person today. I, 
I will, I will turn a certain way and go a different route. Do you know that I have done that before and found out later that there were or was a horrible accident right down the road? I, again, you can call me crazy, but I think God protects his children. God, God watch at, watches after his children. You can walk with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will prompt you. I do this all the time. I, feel the, I don't do it just because I think it. I do it because I feel like the Holy Spirit prompts me to text somebody or to call somebody or to text or call a child, one of my children, right? The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And if you're sitting here going, I don't, I don't experience God like that. Hey, it's okay, but I love you enough to let you know you're missing out. And it's okay, be gracious with yourself. Some of you are being taught this for the very first time, but when we're done today, I'm gonna actually lead us in some spiritual direction and some directed prayer. And I'm gonna give you a chance to start asking the Holy Spirit to do this kind of thing in your life. Jesus said in John's gospel, my sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is what it looks like to start knowing the voice of God. And why, it's, it's, I don't know of a better way to say it than, it's like a dance. Any of you folks dance? When you walk with God, you can dance with the Holy Spirit and you can move and you can turn and you can speak and you can write and you can call and you can make decisions based on the Holy Spirit. People like to talk about energy today. Oh, what kind of energy are you bringing? I think what they're trying to do is find a way to talk about the Holy Spirit. People say, I, my, gut led, I, my gut led me to do this or led me to do that. Ah, you can use that language if you want, but I actually think that's the Holy Spirit in my gut and in my head and in my heart following me. I'm, uh, since I'm being very um, deprecating today and you can think I'm like a, a weird guy, um, let me tell you a story. I'm a hunter. Are there any hunters in the house? Hunters, my people. Very few of you, like South Carolina people. Very few of us. And some of you are already judging me right now. I told you I'm a hunter. Um, I was raised to hunt and fish, and I only, I only hunt and fish and, and kill what I eat. But um, one morning, and some of you right now are judging me for killing things. Did you know that the Bible says, <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying in the book of Acts. The Bible says to, to Peter, Spirit says to Peter, get up. Kill and eat. Let's hunt some. <laughs> some of you are like, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. That's okay. But you can't not like hunters if you're going to go eat a hamburger today for lunch. Just saying. Somebody had to do that to the cow. Okay? Um, now, if you're a vegetarian, you got every right in the world to, to judge us hunters. To which I should let you know that I thank God for you. Because there are more meat for people like me because of you. <laughs> anyway, I, this is a weird story, but I, it's one of my favorite stories. It's a personal story. I've never shared it from the stage before. I, I got out of my truck one morning. This is going to confirm for some of you why you don't hunt. I got out of my truck, and it was like 5 o'clock in the morning. You're like, check. That's why I don't hunt right there. <laughs> I got out of the truck. It was cold. I mean, really cold. You're like, check. That's why I don't hunt. I'd rather stay in my bed. I get it. Different strokes for different folks. Then I, then I had to walk into the woods. It was dark. And you're like, that freaks me out. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. I'm not down with that. Okay. But I walk into the woods about a quarter of a mile. I got to my deer stand. 
got in my deer stand, went to put my foot up on the ladder, it's about a 15 foot ladder stand, to get up in my deer stand. I kid you not, I know it's gonna sound weird to you. I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to not sit there. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to go sit in another deer stand, which meant I had to walk a quarter mile back out to the road where my truck was, and then walk down another road about a half a mile to sit in that deer stand. And I did it. And I would let you know, praise Jesus, that morning I killed the largest buck of my life. To some of you would say, well, sorry for Bambi, but I'm just telling you the story. That is how the Holy Spirit will direct you if you start to ask God to direct your steps. He'll direct your vocational life, your relational life. He'll direct what you say, when you say it, where you go, how you go. The Holy Spirit guides us. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit grows, sanctifies us in the image of Christ. This is important. Because as I've been talking about liberalism and legalism today and living according to the law or living according to the spirit, if you're not careful, you'll mishear me and you'll buy into this whole idea. Well, then if we're only saved through grace by faith, it doesn't really matter how I live. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't do any of those things to get saved. But once we are saved, the Holy Spirit grows us, churchy word here, I know, sanctifies us into the image of Jesus. Are you more like Christ today than you were last year? And you don't become more like Christ through self-help. Like I can't help myself like the old commercial back in the 80s, like I have fallen and I can't get up. I can't help myself, but the Holy Spirit will transform me, will grow me, will change me in time so that as I live out my Christian life and I move closer and closer and closer to heaven, I become more and more and more like Jesus. Praise his Holy name. Very important. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. This was one of the primary reasons Jesus said that the Father was going to send the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. In John's gospel, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Advocate. Jesus said this in chapter 16, verses seven and eight. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. This is Jesus with his disciples. He's about to go away back to heaven after he dies on a cross and rises from the dead. And he says, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about what, church? About what? And? And? So Jesus says, hey, it's, it's good that I'm about to go away. When I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And one of the things the Holy Ghost will do is that he will convict you of sin. 
Can I just pause for a moment to ask this simple question? Does your heart still grieve when you sin? I worry that we live in a day and age where we, we've allowed our heart, I don't mean we in general, I'm talking about mass population, but if, if it fits, it fits, right? Where we've allowed our hearts to grow hard and cold about sin. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I can slip into that just like you can. Please know I, I'm just like you. And, and I have been taught by some of my mentors early on, Mark Yoder, who first, first guy who ever taught me the Bible. He was my student pastor. He taught me this early on, and, I, and I've leaned on it over the years. The moment I start to sin and not feel bad about it, is the moment I know I am getting in a bad place. It's the moment where I've drifted myself. And I just want to remind you that sin grieves the heart of God. When I fall short, and we all do, like I'm right there with you, when I fall short of the glory of God, my sin grieves God, and my sin fractures my relationship with God. And then that means that when I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is Holy Spirit. When I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if I'm walking with God, if I'm, if I'm engaged in that dance I was talking about earlier, and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, that means that I am led by the Holy Spirit then to confess my sin, repent of my sin, and keep following Christ to the best of my ability. Not to save me, but as a response of already being saved. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel sorry for my sin anymore. It's okay. We're going to have a prayer moment in just a moment. And whenever I feel like that, I just start asking God, Hey God, break my heart for the things that break yours. Right? Convict me, Holy Spirit. When I fall short of your glory, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. So I said we would read them all out loud. Let's, let's read them out from top to bottom, one through four. Go. The Holy Spirit draws us to God for salvation. Number two, the Holy Spirit guides us in life. Number three, the Holy Spirit grows or sanctifies us into the image of Christ. And number four, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Leave those up there if you don't mind. How are you walking with the Holy Spirit? It's a great question for me to ask myself. Am I living according to the law or am I living according to the Spirit? And I just got to say, I love the Spirit that's in the room right now. I can tell that the Holy Spirit is moving and so many of your lives and you're thinking about these things and you're feeling some conviction and maybe some encouragement and maybe some challenge. Maybe a, maybe a quick illustration will help. 
I need some water. You're like, dude, you got some in the bottle. No, 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 I need some water. I need some, some water. Where's my man, Riley? Everybody say, hey, Rye Dog. My guy. You know, John's gospel says Jesus is the living water. Let's end with this today. Two, two chalices of water. Billy Graham says, you don't need to beg for the Holy Spirit once you're saved. Billy Graham says, you have the Holy Spirit once you're saved. Remember I said earlier, once you're saved, when you come to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God imputes or deposits the Holy Spirit in your life. So if the Holy Spirit is given to us upon salvation, why is it that some of us feel it and experience the Holy Spirit and others of us don't? And I just think a simple illustration might help. How many of you have ever um, taken an Alka-Seltzer? Glory to God. What is it? Plop, plop. Fizz, fizz. You guys are great. I love, I love teaching here on Sundays. So when you drop these in, they plop, plop, and fizz, fizz. No, let's make sure it's all in the water. What's going on? Let's try it this way. What's the difference? You see, if you're a Christian, we all have the Holy Spirit in our lives. The question today is whether or not you are going to open yourself up and invite the Holy Spirit to move in your life, to give you power, to be released in your life. The sad part about it is that some Christians can live their entire lives and the Spirit has been there, but it's never been unleashed. It's never been active. The Bible says that you can activate the Holy Spirit. You can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be unleashed in your life and experience his power to guide you, to correct you, to convict you, and to transform you into the image of Jesus. So why don't we end a little differently today? Why don't we pray Asking God to do exactly that. All heads bowed, eyes closed, if you would. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this church. Father, we are sorry that in the church we have probably not given enough time and teaching and understanding and mental engagement of this subject that Paul is so passionate about, that we would live by the Holy Spirit, that we would understand that salvation is all a result of what you have done, and that as we live by the Spirit, oh God, you can have your way and move in our lives. So Father, I'm just gonna take some moment to pray for us.
I want to invite you in this moment to just forget about everything that you might be thinking about, everything that might be distracting you, things that you need to do tomorrow or this week, and focus in on God right now. The Holy Spirit draws us to God for salvation. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you have felt in this message today that God has been drawing you to himself, you feel this gravitational pull where when I read this definition of the gospel, you want to know that you know that you know that you've been saved and you will spend eternity with God in heaven forever. Hey, that is not what you ate for breakfast. That is not your emotions. That is not some pseudo form of energy. That is the Holy Spirit drawing you. And if that's you, just pray, Lord Jesus, save me today. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing me to yourself. I need you in my life, so fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sin. Help me live for you by the power of the Holy Spirit all the days of my life. Just respond to God as he draws. I said earlier, the Holy Spirit guides us in life. If you don't sense the Holy Spirit guiding you, just ask God right now. Say, God, I need you to guide me. I need you to guide my steps. God, I need direction in so many areas of my life, relationally, vocationally, educationally, spiritually. Holy Spirit, just ask him. It's the third person of the Trinity. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you start guiding me? And would you help me discern your guidance? And would you help me follow you? The Holy Ghost sanctifies us, shapes us, transforms us into the image of Jesus. If you're like me, you'll often look in the mirror or look at your life and you realize you have so far to go. And it can be discouraging. But what if instead of getting discouraged, you start to pray, Holy Spirit, change me. Transform me from the inside out. There's so many things in my life, God, that I don't like. There's so many things that I desire in my life, like the fruit of the Spirit, which we will get to at the end of Galatians. But in this moment, God, I want to make myself available and invite you to start transforming me at an accelerated rate, oh God. I want to be like your son, Jesus. Lastly, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And beloved, we have started to convince ourselves that sin is not really that big of a deal. And we kind of wink at sin here and we wink at sin there. And our hearts grow hard. And we don't realize that it was and is our very sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. 
So Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that which I pray for myself on a regular basis. God, soften my heart. When I fall short of your glory, as I often do, Holy Spirit, would you grieve my spirit as it grieves yours? And would you cause me to develop the habit, the discipline of confession, repentance? And in doing so, oh God, would you continue to transform me into the image of Jesus? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in our lives. And collectively, oh God, as a church, we pray that you would unleash your Holy Spirit in ways, oh God, that we haven't seen before. That the glory of this house, oh God, as a church and as individuals, oh God, would be greater than the former glory. That we would be yielded and open to all that you want to do in our lives. Father, you are the Alpha and you are the Omega. You are the beginning and the end, the firstborn from among the dead. To you be glory. Now and forever in your church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, if you receive it, <laughs> praise the Lord.